2: Hey, and happy Monday to you. I hope you had a blessed week and a blessed weekend. Guess what time it is? That's right. You guessed it. It is tea time. I am prepared. I am drinking. Um, I don't know if I can say this is a favorite, but it's just, uh, you know, It'll do. <laughs> um, at least that's the way I'm feeling tonight anyway. I'm drinking my rose hip and hibiscus flowers. So I'm just kind of in a chill, relaxed mode. But I'm excited. Um, I'm, in a, I'm in a good mode. But I am excited because this is not only tea time. But tonight is going to be a testimony time. Tonight, um, I have a very special guest that's going to be joining me on the air. You guys probably say, she says that about all of her guests. Well, that's true. (laughs) All of my guests are very special to me. And that is because uh, when I first started planning this show... And I was praying about how to format the show and, and how, what kinds of guests I should have on the show. The Lord told me um, to have everyday people, everyday people, people like you and people like me on the show. Um, not to look for popular or celebrity types, but to look for everyday people. And I believe that's because he wanted you the listeners, my listeners to know that our topics, the things that we deal with on this show are for everyone, they're for everyone, he didn't want you to feel out of touch with the, the speakers, the guest speakers, so anyway, um, my very special guest uh, that's going to join me, her name is Constance Martin. She is, um, I don't think she'll mind me telling her age, <laughs> she is 57 years old. She currently resides in Maryland. That's all I will give of her location. Um, we recently met through It's Getting Better All The Time Mental Health Outreach Ministries in Maryland. That is how we met we met through that program as some of you all may know I think I shared with you that uh I was invited on there to be um to to be interviewed and to tell my story and um she contacted me after listening to uh that interview so anyway let me see what else do I want to say before I um before I have Constance say something to you all. I will tell you that Constance was molested at the age of four. She escaped being molested again as she got older, but faced constant intimidation and threats of molestation. Again, you know, throughout her life, um, at different times in her life, um, she's going to share the pain of her childhood and the victories that she's gained since then, uh, as well as how she's how she's gained those victories, how she overcame the pain in her life. Hey, that's what we do on this show, right? we deal with some very serious issues one of our primary topics is sexual abuse I want to make sure she has plenty of time to to talk to talk so miss Constance are you there I'm here well hello 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 how are you this evening
3: I'm fine how are you
2: I am wonderful I'm wonderful I I think you told me that you were going to be getting your tea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I did. (laughs) Okay, well then, would you kindly share with us what kind of tea you're drinking? Perhaps it'll be something that people are interested in.
3: Well, I didn't have uh, herbal tea tonight. I just had um, uh, regular tea, uh, red rose tea. That's what it is, red rose tea. That's the brand. Okay, so okay. I would like to have had something else, but that's all I could get today, so I've had my tea.
2: Red rose tea sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. If you're a tea drinker, then, you know, most most almost any flavor will sound good to a tea drinker, and I am yes. a tea's, tea drinker.
3: <laughs> yeah, you've told me, yes. Yeah.
2: Okay, yeah. well... How are you feeling about being on the air? You, you okay so far?
3: So far I'm okay. A little you know, of a little first time on the air kinda of, ooh, but anyway, I'm okay.
2: Right, right. Okay. Yes. That's to be expected. That's to be yes. expected. I still get that way sometimes myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, just
3: before to, coming on, huh?
2: Yes, yes. I wanted to yes. welcome you to our show. I wanted to thank you so much for Coming on the air and being willing to talk to us, um, especially since this, this is your first time doing this. Um, I know that you have a website and I researched some of the things on your website, your testimony, and um, I pulled up your mission statement from your website. So I'm going to kind of read your mission statement here so that we can just kind of open up that way okay okay all right constance says her mission is to foster encourage and inspire to make a difference in someone's life to share spiritual insight through the word of god deeds experiences and victories to serve God by being a symbol of hope, to be a link to understanding and an assurance in seeing a castle of realized dreams. If there is no test, there will be no testimony. To share God's love through the gospel of Jesus Christ to the unsaved, unchurched, and the uncommitted, to reach the lost because God desires all men to come to repentance and remission of sins in Jesus' name, to remember God uses our circumstances to make us strong. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I know that time is going to fly, so I am going to read one of your leading statements from your testimony on your website and I'm going to let you begin to basically take it from there. Okay? Okay. All right. Um on page 1 of your testimony says here, "Going back as far as I can remember, it seemed as though I never belonged anywhere or to anybody. I also felt older than my actual years." I guess that is because of my traumatic experiences. Do you want to take it from there? Tell us what you're talking about here.
3: Okay. Well, you know, looking back on that, because I was molested at um, an early age of three or four years old, I um, think that caused me to, to feel older, to not feel... That I belonged in any place, any one place, and that may be because of the separating of the self to protect your spirit and your mind. Sometimes you just kind of separate from the physical experiences that you go through, and um, that experience that I had as as a young kid took many years, many years to remember, and that was through therapy psychotherapy, as well as hypnotic therapy, you know. And um, I had blocked it because it was so horrific. Excuse me. And um, on on one occasion, to give you an example, one occasion, I always spent the weekends at my godmother's, and she usually came to get me on Friday evening after work. And this particular Friday, um, she didn't come. And um, my mother and someone that she was with took me to my godmother's. My godmother was not home, but when she came home, I was sitting on her front. Uh, I think her mother was home because her mother was always there. I just think that no one attempted to find out if she was there. You got about a minute before the break, Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, when when she would come home, she would have to tend to the crisis that I was involved in at that time.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I went in, and like I said, I was I had been traumatized. I could not go to the bathroom, and um, without trauma, without pain, crying, you know, and she had to hold me, and they had to bathe me. And I can remember those things, but I remember them if they weren't happening to me, but that I was outside of my body. Okay. Mm hmm. Yes. Um,
2: Here come the tunes. Hold that um until <laughs> we come back, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: The tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these.
0: We'd like to thank our sponsor, Liberty Christian Center, located in Box Elder, South Dakota. They are a non denominational, Bible based. Holy Spirit-led Deliverance Ministry, Pastor Charles and Romika White, Liberty Christian Center.
1: Get ready for Officer Radio, every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on officer.com. It's powered by the worldwide resources of Officer.com and hosted by editor-in-chief of Officer.com and 30-year law enforcement veteran, Frank Borelli. Officer.com is your source for the latest news, trends, and issues facing the law enforcement community, which change almost daily. New regulations, new things to know about that affect all in law enforcement. Join us each week as Officer Borelli and his guests examine, dissect, and discuss the issues facing our industry. Call in live and join the conversation to get your voice heard. For more law enforcement news and more about the show, go to officer.com. You can even find us on Facebook and Twitter. Then join us live every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on officer.com.
5: Thank God. I am free. I am free.
1: Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on TogiNet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on TogiNet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones.
2: Okay, I'm back with you, um, listeners. Hi. (laughs) I have a very special guest with me tonight. Uh, Constance Martin is sharing a remarkable story. And before the break, you were sharing with us about one of the very early traumas in your life and and how um, you had to deal with that trauma. So I'll let you continue from there. And
3: what, what I was getting to was that when you experience the trauma that young, I believe, you know, that it causes you to um, not, uh, people would say split personalities, but not that severe, but you kind of compartmentalize yourself to the side, box yourself off so that you can handle what is happening to you, you know? And I think that's what I had learned to do early on in my life. And maybe that's what I'm trying to say with about, um, not feeling my actual years or, um, not feeling like I belonged anywhere because Mm -hmm. I didn't fit in anymore. You know, I was fragmented, you know? Um, and, um, there was, of course, there was a lot of speculations about who it might have been and, and all, but nobody ever, of course, you know, um, at that time, nobody ever came up with who it was. I did not remember who the person was until I was much older when I started piecing together when I started feeling uneasy around this person because this person continued to come to my mother's home. Okay. Hmm. um he was a frequent um uh visitor, and um it wasn't up until maybe twenty five years ago, maybe I would say maybe yeah about twenty five years ago when um my mother began to talk about children not be being safe in their home, you know, and that um she had always protected her children. And see uh I helped to keep that secret that's I helped her keep that secret. I never wanted to hurt my mother by saying you didn't protect me, but I did myself and my mother injustice by not by not letting it be told. Hmm. mhm um she says, and I think maybe she wanted me to say something um more than I did because she says that um I became angry as she talked about how she always, I think we must have been either watching a show or somebody had shared some information, and she said, that's why I always protected my kids. That's why I always never left my children with so-and-so and things like that. And I found myself getting, you know, so filled up, and I'm saying, why is she lying, you know, or does mm-hmm. she really not know? So anyway, when she, she continued this um she said, you know, it was like a time um, when this person that, um, that assaulted me was at the home. And my mother um, had some guests, and they were playing cards and drinking or what have you. And she said, and he, he went upstairs to uh, go to the bathroom, and then I heard one of my children crying, you know. And she said, and I, you know, made him come downstairs. And um I became angry the moment. You know who it was. You know which one of your children it was, and you know why I was crying. Uh, she just never said anything, but I, I did say that to her.
2: So. Okay, so so actually, in a in a actually, even though you never really talked about it, you did kind of give her an opportunity to come clean, huh?
3: Yes, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and she's been uh, Kinda was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, type thing. You know, pull back. You know, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was too painful for her. You know, but um, Mm -hmm. that um, on her watch, one of the children uh, was molested.
2: Right. And you know that is such a common response. Um, Mm. That is such a common response from from the mothers especially the mothers of victims the mothers who have been molested as children often the mothers are in denial not only the mothers but sometimes other uh family members extended family members that's their response yes. that they want to deny it yes they they will deny it i even i think i highlighted it and i'm kind of skipping around here but okay. i think uh, let me find that statement here. Um, you said, I felt I couldn't tell my mother for two reasons. One, she probably wouldn't have believed me. And if right. she would, I didn't want to hurt her okay. with the announcement that everybody she invited into her home wasn't trustworthy. So isn't that kind of like you, you hit on two very important things there. Um, one, you didn't even have the sense that she would believe you if you did tell her. Exactly. And that's a tragedy in itself, because that is so true of most situations. There's already something going on in the home environment that fosters a sense of, uh, you know, where you, you don't have full confidence that you could go to these to, to, to our loved ones and actually ter- tell them well, what's going uh, on.
3: Well, you know, when you're, as you have often said, uh, something about dysfunctional families. Well, you mm. know it's a dysfunctional family, and each person plays a role you know i uh-huh. think and um in those roles they don't if they give up that role that they playing, they, they one has to admit their their guilt you know mm. or right. their part in it, and then they too have to change more than likely you know
4: right and change
3: right. change takes takes a, a lot to do, you know like like in therapy, that's work. So a lot of times they don't want to do that. Uh, We're famous for saying things like, you know, crabs in a pot and we see one getting out and we try to pull them back, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's the kind of thing. And um, she, I was an unwanted child and was told that I was an unwanted child, okay?
4: Mm
3: -hmm. So um, I had already created a problem by coming into the world, (laughs) okay? Uh
2: Okay. Uh
3: So... There would be that distrust that uh, as a matter of fact um uh one of my mother's um <laughs> uh, paramour, or whatever you call it a lover
4: mm-hmm. he
3: um he had made advances, and I was terribly angry with that person, and I often say people need to learn to listen to their children because um when things change, it's not just because they're becoming a preteen or they're having harmonial changes and things like that. But when they change, so, you know, they, they should take notice. You know, there's something wrong. And I mm-hmm. hated man with every fiber of my being. You know? mm-hmm. And we would even come uh, to physical blows, and she would say that I didn't want her to have a man that i was trying to chase him from her
2: you know well, well let so me stop think, you there so that hold on a second i want to make sure our listeners understand that now you're now you have fast forwarded we're not talking yes. about when you're 4 years old anymore now no. this is later in your life when you're like around what age
3: well this started when i was about 7 to 9 and it continued until i left home at about uh 14
2: okay so mm-hmm. so you're sharing with us how the, the 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 event that happened when you were about three or four was just the beginning, yes, of just the beginning. trauma in your life it was just the yes. beginning, and before we moved into that, I want to emphasize the second point that you said about even if you'd have shared it with your mom, you didn't want well, the other problem was that you didn't want to hurt her by announcing that everybody she invited into her home wasn't trustworthy. Yes. It sounds to me like there there might have been some concern on your part if, first of all, you were always told that you were you were not wanted, then maybe you had that burden and that concern of, if I tell her something bad, you know, then I'll it'll further alienate me from her, you know, kind of like wanting her, not wanting her to reject you any further. Is there, is there any truth in my thinking or is that there's just
3: partially there, there was, there's some to that, you know, okay. and, um, because there was also physical abuse in the home. Then, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want to be, um, at the end of that stick, so to speak, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, yeah. There was some physical abuse. And uh, believe it or not, it was not um, my mother who did the physical abuse. She worked. Mm. My mother was a a functioning alcoholic, Mm -hmm. and uh, she worked um, every day. I don't ever remember her being off. And my oldest sister took care of us. But if something went wrong, my oldest sister was allowed to um, give us... uh, Punishment through physical abuse, mm-hmm. uh, capital punishment almost, <laughs> but it wasn't capital, that's not what I mean to say. But, um, yes, she, was, um, she did horrible things to us, you know, mm-hmm. and my mother didn't protect us. So, of course, if I told her something else, you know, and so it was always, I was, I was the trouble kid. When I said trouble, um, my godmother just said to me recently that I was an obedient kid, and I was because I wanted to do whatever I could not be seen, that's number one, so that mm-hmm. I could be abused physically or sexually. So mm-hmm. I always tried to do just what was asked of me or what was needed of me, and um, that went on throughout my life. You know, that that's a, not a good pattern to have <laughs> is being a pleaser. But, mm-hmm. um, yes, um yeah, I did that, and um, I didn't want to hurt my mother. It always seemed like my mother was, she didn't seem sickly then, but like she couldn't handle things emotionally. She she would cry, or, you know, if the man in her life was going to leave her, it was great trauma behind that, and I, I, I couldn't stand to see my mother hurt. So the roles
2: were actually reversed, in a sense, because these things, these, um, this responsibility and this burden that you're carrying is one that a parent, in fact, should have for a child. Yes. You know, the, the feeling of having to protect the child, the feeling of having to look out for the child, the emotional well-being. And you were actually carrying a lot of that burden as a child.
3: Yes. Yes. As well as watch my my uh, younger siblings. Mm-hmm. And when I say watch them, like I said, my oldest sister, who was um, 14 years older than me, she, she took care of us. My, my mother worked and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I felt that I needed to protect them from her and from any other male that came into the home. Right. So I carried them everywhere with me. And sometimes even to schools on special events. People began to think my younger sister's and
4: brother
3: were my kids. Hmm. And um, you know. Oh, I did it. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> I don't know if I missed the cue, but
2: uh, <laughs> it's break time. So hold your thought. <laughs> we'll be back after tunes.
1: Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. The Trick to Getting Published with your host, Florence Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on Togenet.com. Flo has seen it, done it, and now can share from her experiences as a newspaper staff reporter, feature writer, freelance editor, and college writing instructor. And now Flo has authored a system whereby her students enjoy a 90% success rate in attaining publication of their manuscripts for the first time. In just four years, she has over 800 of her own articles published in national magazines, newspapers, and anthologies. Author of several books, including the powerful memoir, The Sicilian Nobleman's Daughter, Florence has advised and edited professors, deans, PhDs, and hundreds of students' writings before submission. And now it's your turn. Join us Friday nights with your questions. Most of Flo's students say they've learned much and thoroughly enjoyed the journey. It's the trick to getting published with your host, Flo Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on DougieNet.com.
0: Equipping the Saints Ministries. Our mission is to equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness and to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls, or we can make information available to you via email. Equipping the Saints Ministries is home-based in Maryland. You may write to us at Post Office Box 1616 Clinton, Maryland 20735 or email us at vir2us1 at verizon.net.
2: Okay, people, I am back on the air. I am talking with Constance Martin, and um, we 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 don't want to run out of time, so I'm going to jump right back in here. I want to backtrack a little bit, Constance, because um, there were some things that I highlighted in my notes here that we um, we skipped, and that's okay, but I want to okay. go back to a point in your testimony where you say further— there always seemed to be some old pedophile trying to get me off to themselves at the homes of family and friends, at school, on the bus, at, at dance. Uh, I think part of my sentence got, got lost there, but it says school, at the movies, let's see, uh, at the library, and even going to and from church. Yes. Tell us about that. I think it's important for our listeners to see how prevalent and where these types of situations can happen.
3: Okay. I I do want to say, I'm going to get to that, but I I just want to say this before I go any further. Okay. I always knew the presence of God Mm -hmm. and I always knew that Jesus was real in my life. I never felt that he had failed me.
4: Mm-hmm. Because
3: whenever things got really rough, and I cried out to God, He sent my godmother mm. always to save me from something. And I, I do want to say that I, I just um, needed to make sure I say that.
2: How well, we're going to go there, there next? We're going to go there
3: next. Okay. Now okay. my the the the, the pedophile. Um, it just seemed like like I was some kind of magnet for these kind of people. Um, If I went to, um, like you said, to the movies, and we were told not to, we couldn't sit by ourselves. And when I say we, this is when I was sitting on the weekend with my godmother, and there was my god sister and my godbrothers. But we were told that we had to sit together. We were never to sit in the back of the theater and never all the way up at the front. We could be in the middle of the theater to make sure. That you know we were safe with each other, but going and, and we were told not to go to the bathroom. But you know sometimes you had to, and and when you did, you know I would always run into to some kind of character. Now I was well developed for my age as I was coming along, and I don't know if that had something to do with the attraction, you know, uh, from for pedophiles. But um, I, I never felt safe. Um. One thing that I'm getting ready to say now, um, I never told this individual. Okay. Uh
4: huh.
3: My my godmother, like I said, she was she was the take she took care of me, you know, most of my life. And my godfather, who just recently passed, my godmother thinks he was the. Best and only father that I knew, because my father wasn't in my life. Okay,
4: uh-huh.
3: and she has no idea of who he really was. Okay, and um, he was never able to actually um, do any anything physically to me. He tried. And I think that's where I say to you, um, I'll say in my writing about how a grandmother figure, which was her mother, always protected me, and I knew hmm. she carried my secrets to the grave with her. Okay, and she taught me how to protect myself. And I used to uh, sleep later. She would get up and fix breakfast and stuff. And when I started telling her. About where I encountered him, and she began to uh, wonder. Out loud, she would say things like, "He had no business in that room," or "He had no business here." So she would wake me up before she got up in the morning and came downstairs to fix breakfast for the family. And then, so I learned to have early morning tea, <laughs> as you say, with her, and and then and not be left alone. I was not left alone with him any longer. Mm. Uh, Thank thank God for that. Yes, but he he would come into the bedroom, he would do things like lift up the cover, you know, look up under there, or slightly touch you on the leg or something, and then I would jump up, you know. And he never, of course, would never want my godmother to know um, because their relationship was, she loved him tremendously, and I couldn't hurt her either, but she really loved him, and um, he really needed her in more ways than one, and I don't, you know, he knew that she would, she might have had cut his head off. I don't know, but I'm just saying he would never want her to know, okay, and that's right. that's the way a pedophile is, the secrets. and um so she always said he was a wonderful father to you, and he never did anything to harm you. I never could tell her. I still can't tell her. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time that this is public okay. uh, on your show now you today. Now,
2: said, you said your godmother is still living.
3: <laughs> yes, she is. Yeah.
2: But you don't think there's a chance she's listening to the show right now?
3: No, I know it's not okay. <laughs> <You> know,
2: <but> <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing it with us. That you felt comfortable enough to,
3: to share it with us tonight, because well, I you know, yeah, I I didn't. Well, it, I felt that the secrets. You know, we were talking about secrets, you and I earlier, and
4: yes, and, and
3: it, the secrets is what is it, a bad thing. But like I said, his he uh, passed that um, the end of last year, sometime.
2: Okay. Well, see, see, good, because I do feel I was going to ask you that question about the secrets. I do feel that the more we, um, we as people who have been victimized, Mm -hmm. I do feel that the more we talk about it, the more we expose it, the freer we become. So I'm so glad that just, you know, just that little bit of conversation (laughs) inspires you and encourage you to tell a little bit more you know the lord the lord is good like that he will allow us to bring out a little bit more a little bit more you know when we're ready for it
3: when it's we're not ready that i it. haven't told it i just haven't told it publicly okay no, i've right. told it in therapy you know but i haven't told it in in public you
2: know so. i understand i understand yeah. So then tell me from your perspective, I'm, I've, I'm sharing with the people what I think about secrets, and, and then you did say that you feel like the secrets was not the good thing. So t- do you have any other thoughts on how, because you say here, um, we had an unspoken agreement that secrets were better left unspoken. That was between you and your godmother or you and your godmother's mother?
3: Godmother's mother.
2: Okay. And she had
3: had a thing that she used to say, think of Johnny, but don't speak it. You know, some things that just left better unsaid. But I knew she knew because she would never leave me alone again. And I knew she knew. (laughs) Um, Like you said, we don't know the people in our lives. We don't know what they've been through either. Right. Um, You know, so I don't know if that had touched her in that manner or what. Um, Sometimes my godmother has said throughout my life that little girls are, um, I can't think of the word she uses now, but in other words, invite those kind of things, okay, Hmm. or dangerous Mm -hmm. and and tell lies on men. So I knew that I couldn't tell her. But my godfather was after me. I became pregnant early. My godfather was after me even after I was pregnant, okay? Mm-hmm. And, um, like I well, said, before, was, before you go there, did
2: you have any more thoughts on the secrecy? Um, whether it's good, I want our listeners to know,
3: you know, from your it perspective. It's not good to have a secret. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> it's <is> not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I understand. It. It, it's not good. I tell my grandchildren, man, don't, you know, let's get out in the open and we'll deal with it. I, I teach uh-huh. them that now, you know. I have two Uh granddaughters and seven grandsons, but Mm -hmm. I don't believe that molestation just happens to girls, either.
2: Right, right. (laughs) So it's very important uh, as a parent, even if we're listening now and we just want to be informed, it's very important to foster a relationship with your children where they feel like they can trust you. Yes, yes. Where They feel like they can come to you with anything and trust you, (laughs) not having to be like, Constance, who felt like and knew, really, that she couldn't tell anybody. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, the people that really needed to know that you couldn't, you didn't have that sense of safety and trust.
3: No, and, 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 and another thing, in our neighborhood, you know, and the times were different. People didn't get involved in uh, domestic issues, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were neighbors who knew Something had gone on, and they would also uh, kind of protect me when they could. But nobody said anything. There wasn't. It wasn't something that was said, and That's I wasn't right. able to talk to them. I was allowed to talk. There are two ladies that I was allowed, allowed to talk to, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we just didn't talk about it. You know, um, although one lady allowed me to talk about my anger and hurt and the things that. Um, this last man, not my godfather, but um, we can call him my stepfather. He, he's not my stepfather. He never married my mother, but my mother had three children by him, you know. And we have about a three.
2: minute before we go to the tunes again, just to okay. take this to FYI.
3: <laughs> okay. And um, he he made an impact on so many people's lives, you
4: know,
3: mm-hmm. a, a negative impact but um, I was able to talk to those people and and able to get away after
2: that. That's why I'm so glad that we are hearing more about this now. I mean, I'm not glad that it's happening, but I am (laughs) so glad that we are hearing more about this now, more now than I ever have in my lifetime. And I'm, 49. I just turned 49. I had to stop and think about that for a minute. <laughs> the secrecy. The secrecy is part of the weapons that the enemy uses to continue this. Yeah. Is that secrecy. So more after this break.
1: Has the tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these.
0: The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, abuse, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have loved and been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived abuse, molestation, rape, or incest. The Story of Me is very inspirational for those who may see or find themselves in Diane Jones' story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at www.authorhouse.com or any of the major bookstores.
1: TuggyNet.com.
5: Thank God I am free. I am free.
1: Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on TuggyNet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on TogiNet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones.
2: This is Diane Jones. I am talking with Constance Martin. Um, I forgot to give Constance an opportunity to tell us, um, you know, her, well, at the end of the show, we'll, we'll, we'll get that in. We'll tell you a little bit about what she does and what she's doing in her, in her spare time. But we are talking about molestation. We are talking about the impact of molestation. But we are also talking about, we will be talking about how she overcame and how she is overcoming the trauma and the pain of her childhood and of of being molested. So Constance, you you started to you started talking about getting pregnant at a young age. Yes. Um, I, I believe that promiscuity, I believe that even things like um uh early marriage and sometimes just getting into uh how should i say uh, bad relationships is is a, is some of the aftermath of molestation yes. so tell us that that part of your story how you how you um ended up pregnant at a young age
3: <laughs> well i um I had met a guy at school, of course I was I was fourteen, thirteen when I met him actually, and fourteen, um and and sharing with him what was going on in my household, you know, he became a friend and a shoulder to cry on and that was a weakness. That was the, the door that he used to to um to become a partner, a sexual partner with me. And um I became pregnant and ran away, and my mother was put away, and I stayed with my godmother for a while, and then we got married uh, when my my daughter was three months old, and um, then the abuse started. (laughs) Um, There was the thing that um, there was sexual abuse in the home, physical abuse, um, very violent,
2: Neither when you one say in the us, home, you're talking about in your marriage, correct? Yeah,
3: in my marriage home, yes. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us, of course, was uh, uh, prepared for marriage. I was uh, 14 and had lied about my age to get married, and his mother signed for him to get married, you know. My mother had said she would, and then she didn't. And then we ran away. And um, didn't go far, <laughs> to the courthouse. And um, then I was... Um, Defy until my mother wasn't coming back home, and she was going to have the marriage and all, and have me put away. And I, I told her that I I I'd rather be put away than come back home. That was my decision.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It caused a, a, a rift between me and my brother, my oldest brother, who I loved dearly. He was the only man that never tried to do anything to me. Okay, mm-hmm. and um. He was very disappointed in me, he was like you the only you're straight A student business that you're a dancer, you and now you're destroying your life, you know. And um but anyway, um, uh, like I said, my husband began to beat me with guns and knives and drugs and you know, criminal activity and things like that, and um the the law here did not protect me as you be, as they do now, you know, and Um, you run away, you, you go back and you're with this man and people think that, um, that's what you want to do and you can't get away. And it was almost like it was safer to be with him than to try to stay away from him. Because if you, if I stayed with him and did what he asked of me or told me, I was safer than if I tried to be my own person and run away. So I had gotten jobs and as I came along and, He had come on jobs and was violent to me on the jobs and kidnapped my baby when she was four four years old. And um, it was just a whole bunch of trauma, you know, and it took many years, many years to get uh, from up under that. Just a living nightmare. Living nightmare. That's what it was, a living nightmare. And I was not living in the home with him after my daughter was four. But it took up until 1980, I think it was '83 or so, before the divorce was final. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a nightmare. <laughs> so because there was and, so many criminal cases in between, that the, the divorce was put on the you know the back burner. You know? so.
2: Now, do you mind telling? I don't know how relevant it is, but do you mind telling our listeners when you say, "Oh, here." where you were, you were living at the time, what general area is, do you? The district feel comfortable? Of okay. The district okay. And so we want to, you know, we, we want to touch, we're talking about this because so many people don't understand why, why women, how they get in those situations and why they stay in those situations. And first of all, trauma, trauma can lead to us trying to escape for one thing, trying to you're trying to leave one bad situation, hoping for a better situation correct mm-hmm.
3: yes exactly
2: that's one thing right there is just trying to get out of a one bad situation, you know, but because now you've been violated because you really and truly have been stripped of knowing what is even good for you at that age, especially yeah you know you're you're. we're often drawn to the same type of individual. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I believe that that's a spiritual thing, too. We're often drawn to the same type of spirit, the same type of individual that we were trying to get away from. There's yes. like a generational curse and a cycle that starts to happen. Yeah. And people don't understand how you end up in that, in that predicament. But for so many people, that is exactly what happens. And it's not always easy to
3: get out. No, it's not. And um, these type of people tend to have people around them that would help them keep things covered up, as we said, with the secrets and, and the cover-up. And with my, um, my then-husband, his friends, um and his street friends helped abuse me, helped him kidnap me my kid, all mm-hmm. kinds of things. It was just horrible. And in order to get away from him, I what I did was turn him in because the domestic courts would not help me. So mm-hmm. I knew of criminal activity. So I risked my child's life and my life by turning him in for his criminal activity.
4: Mm-hmm. Which
3: mm-hmm. was which went with those people that he hung with, mm-hmm. those other criminal people. And so our lives were in danger, and we were under protection for, uh, for a while, you know,
4: mm-hmm. and,
3: um, until court time, things like that. It, it, was, it was a horrible time. And, and my daughter, I used to take the work with me every day. I wouldn't take her to a, a babysitter or a daycare, and I would sneak her in. I worked at the National Archives, and I would sneak her in through the basement lamp and, and put her up under my desk every day. You know, so that and she was a very quiet child so that wouldn't nobody know she was there. Wow. Because I I had to protect her.
2: Amazing, Um, amazing, amazing. And you know, because I can relate to so much of this, I am just it's just amazing at what God brought you through, you know, that you are even able, you know, that you're even saying today and that you're able to share this with us and Because we're running out of time, I want you to talk about the times when you um, were basically hospitalized because of all of this. How how did did things, you know, things basically went from bad to worse still
3: before it got better, huh? Before it got better, it it did. Um, Because people began not to believe the things that happened, you know. Or mm-hmm. people, people have a tendency to say, get over it. That was in your past, you know. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, so you have no place to turn. And throughout life, I was, was in some kind of therapy, you know, and I was misdiagnosed. I was over-medicated, over, over uh, medicated, you know, more uh, over-medicated than anything. I was going to say under-medicated, but I don't think that ever happened. <laughs> and uh, so um, I found an escape through those those pills, you know, and Mm -hmm. that I could just be in a fog. I could just function and be in a fog in that field. And so that became very dangerous, you know, because then I, um, through, throughout that part of my life, I did things that I shouldn't have done, you know, and, um, but I could cover it up with the, with the, the drug, the drugs, um, being anesthetized. That's what, I'm trying to say so anyway i wound up in the hospital several times for attempted uh, suicide and things like that and um so okay
2: now now because we're running down we're running out of time we've got to tell where the turning point came this was a turning point for you and it was then that i understood that god loved me when he carried me when I couldn't carry myself, tell us some of the good stuff. Tell us. The,
3: the good thing was I met a therapist, okay? Okay. And she was, she was, she was really good to me. And she began to, to speak to me from a spiritual aspect more than from a psychological aspect. Amen. And, and she, she led me to know that it was all right that I would have a separation from reality so that I could heal and come back.
4: Okay,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, she worked off the clock with me, you know. And when mm-hmm. I ran would run away, when I would do all kinds of crazy things, she would be there and come get me or send a family member for me or whatever. But that's when I knew, and 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 I began to go back to church because I had stopped going to church for a while. I began to go back to church, and and um, I just began to know, remember that God loved me. Always, you know, and of course, my godmother was always there telling me that God loved me and he mm-hmm. saved me, saved you from your mother's womb, because it's my understanding that my mother tried to have an abortion with me, you know. Right, um, right. And so she always constantly said that God is love, whether you're a father, you know who your father is or not, you know your father is your heavenly father, and anything okay. that you need, you ask of him, Of that, that's what she used to tell me.
2: Well, Constance, we've only got fifteen seconds. Um, (laughs) Would you be willing to come back on the on the show to continue this? Sure, sure. Wonderful, wonderful. People, if you want to (laughs) go, I would love to have you. (laughs) (laughs) People, if you want to read some, read Constance's testimony. Her website is write the all the words. Dot com. Write the all the words dot com. I'm going to have her back on the show as soon as possible so we can continue talking about the goodness